Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. All right. The title of our message today, you have to say it in a little bit of a of a uh, accent, okay? I'm not sure what the accent is, uh, but I will culturally misappropriate whatever it is. Okay, are you ready? We're going to have to say it like this, okay? We do, okay? Can you dare say that? We do, okay? We do, okay? Yeah, we do. How in the world did you get like this? Okay, and so we're going to be today in the book of Acts. We'll start out in chapter 18 and go to chapter 19. And, and uh, go with me on this journey, if you will, with a little bit of history and then stepping in to a reality that perhaps you have not seen before in the Word of God as we connect some dots today. Let me set us up early in the year, you know, 53. It could have been late 52 or early 53, okay? Uh, right in that time period. Uh, the Apostle Paul was 48 years old. Do you remember what you were doing when you were 48, if you're over 48? Well, the Apostle Paul was traveling around. And the Apostle Paul had been living and teaching in the city of Corinth for about 18 months. And the church in Corinth was a very interesting church. So were the people that lived there. People lived there from all over the world. It was a trade center where commodities went back and forth. Uh, and it, 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 it was an amazing place. And the fact that a church could be started in Corinth was phenomenal. Because these people worshipped a lot of different deities. And, and they had this temple there in which there were temple prostitutes. And it was an amazing uh, a den of sin and debauchery and uh, uh, you know but the apostle Paul started a church there and and uh, as I said it was filled with some very interesting people we have two of the letters that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth first and second Corinthians telling them how they needed to straighten up their life a little bit and things that they needed to do in order to please God a little more they were very very spiritual but sometimes they weren't necessarily grounded in the truth and so here the Apostle Paul had spent 18 months um, teaching in the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was filled with super-Christians and people who were barely Christians. <laughs> That's how the church was filled. And it continued that way throughout its history with some super-Christians and some barely-Christians. Well, when the Apostle Paul had finished his tour of duty there, as it were, he decided that he wanted to go back to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he wanted to attend one of the feasts. We imagine it to be the Feast of Pentecost in the spring of the year. If that was so, then it was probably in about January that the Apostle Paul would have decided to leave Corinth on his way all the way back to Jerusalem. Well, two of the people that the Apostle Paul had met there in Corinth, husband and wife, one of them's name, the husband was named Aquila, the wife was named Priscilla. Aquila was a tent maker. 
okay? And the Apostle Paul, while he lived in Corinth, he worked part-time with Aquila making tents so that he could provide, you know, his living and everything. And, and so uh, while he was doing that, he was discipling them because he was working with them all day long. You know how it is when you work with somebody all day long. You talk, and the Apostle Paul talked about Jesus. And talking about Jesus, he just got them all filled up. It seems that Priscilla may have been the better teacher, the better preacher than her husband. Uh, her husband may have been a little more hospitable and a little harder worker but at any rate when the apostle paul decides to leave and go back to jerusalem for the feast they decide we'll go with you and so they just picked up and traveled with him got on the ship and they sailed and one of the places they stopped was the city of ephesus 30 of you will be going with me to Ephesus in just over two weeks. Wow. And I'll show you this place. Now, now the water is no longer there. The port of Ephesus has filled in with silt today. But in that day, it had a huge port and was one of the major ports for the Roman Empire going into that part of Asia Minor, uh, what is now Turkey. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and uh, uh, that port city, not only was it a port city, it was also a military train training city. So there were a lot of young men pulled from all over Asia Minor coming to that city to be trained in the Roman military. And then, uh, what a marvelous plan, because later on you can hear where the word of God was preached to all the known world from Ephesus. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the military. Where the military goes, Jesus goes. Two things go with the military, Jesus and Coke. You know, uh, if you ever been in McDonald's now too, you know, it goes. So at any rate, uh, they stop. They sail from Corinth, from, from Europe. They sail over to Ephesus, stop at Ephesus. When they go into the city, the apostle Paul, he ends up going to the synagogue and preaches. Must have preached a great message. Because after he got finished preaching, that Jewish congregation of the synagogue in Ephesus said, man, won't you stay with us a while? Stay here and teach us. We want to know more about this. Because he was opening up the scriptures of the Old Testament and showing them how Jesus, the Messiah, had come. And they were just in, intrigued, you know, with the anointing and with the teaching. But he said, no, I can't stay with you. I'm going to have to go on my journey. But I'm going to leave Aquila and Priscilla here with you, and they will continue to teach you. And so uh, he said, but I tell you what, I will come back if the Lord will let me. I'll come back as soon as I get finished with what I'm doing. I'll come back and I'll teach you some more stuff if the Lord wills. And they said, okay. So Aquila and Priscilla stayed there. And the Apostle Paul got on the ship and headed on off. Okay, And he's going to go to um, Jerusalem. He's going to go up and greet the church and attend the feast, presumably. And then he's going to go back to Antioch, walk up there, which is just north of Lebanon, right into Turkey area. And then he's probably going to go around Tarsus and then up through the upper coast of Bithynian, Galatia, and Phrygia, and then back over some months later to Ephesus. Well, while the Apostle Paul is gone, there's a man who was a very learned man, an eloquent teacher of the Word of God. His name was Apollos. Apollos had been born down in Egypt. 
in Alexandria, which was a city that was well known for its education. And most likely he was very highly educated as a Jew born in Alexandria. And he could really take the word of, and, and, and the scriptures and he could tell you about God's plan to send a Messiah. And man, uh, Apollos had been going, you know, not only from, you know, from uh, Egypt, but evidently all the way through Israel and, and up through Asia Minor and maybe uh, later on at least into Europe. And Apollos was a great teacher of the Word of God, of the Old Testament. And so this guy named Apollos, while Paul was gone to the feast, this guy named Apollos came to Ephesus. And when he got to Ephesus... Aquila and Priscilla met him. Let's pick up the story right there, okay? In Acts 18, verse 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the, uh, the baptism of John. Now this is talking about John the Baptist. The only thing that, that, that Apollos knew, the only thing Apollos was basing his teaching on was the teaching and the baptism of John the Baptist. Okay? Now, we don't know for sure, but it is quite possible that, that, that coming up from Egypt, up you know, through Israel, that maybe Apollos had been baptized by John the Baptist earlier in his life. We really don't know. But we do know that he was very inspired by the baptism of John, and he went around everywhere teaching what John had been teaching. Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Lord is coming. Get ready. Get right. So, verse 26. Now, he only knew the baptism of John. He taught accurately. He was teaching things that were true. But he didn't know Jesus. He knew the baptism of John only. So, Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. What was he speaking boldly about? He was speaking boldly about Messiah in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. What does that mean? That means that they told him about the Jesus of Nazareth that Paul had taught them about, and they were able to tell him, listen, not only are you, are you right in what you're saying, that the Lord is coming and everybody needs to get ready and get right, but let me tell you, he came. He's here. Jesus is here. And when they told him these things, and they kind of helped him along to realize that what you're teaching is right, but let me tell you, it is already a done deal. Verse 27, and when he desired to cross to Acacia, that's Greece, he was going over to Corinth, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples in Corinth to receive him, and when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Man, 
Let me tell you, Aquila and Priscilla made an impact in his life, didn't they? They really impacted his life. I mean, he went from teaching about Jesus to knowing Jesus. He went from teaching about the theory of Jesus coming and the theory of us getting right with God to actually being born again and going out and accurately refuting anyone that said that Jesus was not the Christ. And he was so eloquent in his teachings and so educated and he really made, he helped them greatly. Wow. Amazing, huh? Now, let's go into the next chapter. Next verse is Acts 19. Verse 1, now it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, you remember I told you he went to Jerusalem, he went up to Antioch, he went then or most likely through Tarsus on that road, uh, which is Adana now. And he went on up across, you know, uh, uh, Galatia, you know, uh, just south of Istanbul. And then, and then down to Ephesus, okay? Now it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper regions, Paul came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, Paul said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul said to these disciples, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Now here's 12 more men that have been so impacted by John the Baptist's message that they are absolutely going around you know, their world teaching and preaching and influencing others as committed disciples. But the only message they know is John's message. So Paul uh, you know, takes it upon himself there at Ephesus one more time. First Apollos, now these 12. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Wow. When they heard this, <laughs> wow, can you imagine just like Apollos? When they heard this, they went, whoopee! You know, <laughs> yeah, we've been teaching, get ready, get ready, get ready. And now to find out, to hear the anointed word, to hear something that hits me here in my very spirit, in the soul of my existence, to hear that what I've been hoping, that what I've been preaching, what I've been praying for, what I've been living for is actually, you know, available, is actually true. Yeah. And once they believed, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He dunked them in water again in Jesus' name. They had been dunked in water in, 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 you know, in the baptism of repentance. But now this baptism into Christ, having received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when Paul laid hands on them, verse 6, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Shandai. Woo! <laughs> yeah, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Well, first let me say concerning what we have read. Let, let me say that after reading this some years ago, I became much more impressed 
with the ministry of John the Baptist. You know, if we're not watchful, we could relegate John the Baptist to, to you know, just a little group, uh, you know, uh, sitting on the banks of the Jordan River, or perhaps they're around Qumran somewhere, uh, just north of the Dead Sea, and, 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 you know, just going out there and preaching, you know, dressed in, you know, uh, uh, camel's hair and eating wild locusts and, and just going out in the desert and baptizing people and telling them, repent, repent, repent. I mean, you know. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. If we're not watchful, we could relegate John the Baptist to just an isolated experience, one small man in one small place doing a big thing for God to check off the box to say that, you know, the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness had come. But evidently, John was much more than that. Evidently, John was a man that impacted souls, people that came to him, and he changed their life forever. Evidently, his preaching, his anointed word to get right with God and to get ready for the coming of the Lord was so anointed that people left that baptismal experience, people left that preaching experience, people left that teaching and went out into all their world under a commission, under a mandate from heaven to go and tell the whole world that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Get prepared. Christ is coming. Wow. What an amazing, amazing impact that he had. His message on preparing for the coming of the Lord must have inspired so many people. We see it did with Apollos. Apollos was out there preaching and teaching. He was a, a powerful and eloquent man, but he only knew the baptism of John. You know, that's the only message he had, the same message that, that Noah had. Get right, you know, get right. Something's about to happen. Get right with God. That's a powerful message. It changed the lives of so many. Then here, this few months later, we see the influence of John the Baptist again in the life of these 12 men. Uh, these men remind me of the disciples of Christ. They evidently had given their life for the message that had changed their life. I often imagine that the question that the Apostle Paul asked them is an appropriate question for our today. You know, the Apostle Paul looked at these men he got to Ephesus, he looks, and here are 12 men, 12 disciples. He recognizes them as living right and righteous lives. Perhaps he heard what they were saying. Perhaps he saw how they were living. Maybe uh, he, he attended one of their teachings. Whatever happened, the apostle Paul expected that these men were born again. The apostle Paul imagined, he assumed that these were born again believers who knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and who were teaching and preaching the Word of God. That was what Paul imagined. And yet, they weren't. Oh, how in the world could you look like a Christian? Sound like a Christian? Know the Word of God? Even share the Word of God. How in the world could somebody you know, change their life and get right and live right and be right and say the right things, but yet not be born again? How in the world could somebody sit or teach or share 
or be a companion and say all the right things but not know Jesus? How could somebody clean their life up and appear to be just like you but have never accepted Jesus Christ, not even sure that he came? I've often thought the question that the Apostle Paul asked these men should be asked of us today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Wow, what a powerful message. Even in Paul's day, not everybody that looked like they were born again believers were born again believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's what he asked. Here's what they said. They said to him, well, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. You're saying saying something to us that's that's foreign, that's, that's, that's unimaginable. I mean, we haven't heard this message before. We haven't heard that you could receive the Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Whoa. Well, Paul said, how in the world did you get like this then? One of the subtitles of my message. How in the world did you get like this? What convinced you to change your life? What happened in your life that made you straighten out? What what was it that made you change? Why do you live a good life? Why are you living like you're living if you don't even know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Well, most likely it was because it was a better life. They were convicted of their sins because John preached... A a, a baptism of repentance. And who does not want to repent and be better? Who does not want to be a better husband or a better wife? Who does not want to be a better friend or a better employee, a better parent or a better child? Who does not want to be better? And these people had evidently achieved a life change on the outside without having had a life change on the inside. Do you know that's possible? You know, it's possible for you to be good and dead at the same time. You know that some of the people that are around us, we may assume because we work with them, we may assume that they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but that may be so foreign to them. And you may look at them and say, well, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're such a good employee. They're such a good spouse. I mean, they don't, they don't cuss. They don't fuss. They don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't steal. They show up at work. I mean, yeah, but you know, they may not even know about Jesus. You may be assuming that people know the same Lord that you do. As the Apostle Paul assumed. How in the world did you get like this then? What in the world made you decide to get right with God? And they said, it was John the Baptist. He scared the hell out of us. He said, we better stop sinning and we better repent and and get right with God because Messiah was coming. And and let me tell you something. uh, We don't want to be living in sin when the Lord shows up. That's all they knew. Do you know how many people change their life because they're scared of hell? And they think doing better, getting better, being better will be enough? It won't be. 
Paul replied, well, you're right. John did preach a lot on repentance. I mean, he, he did. And he told people that there was one coming after him who was mightier than he was, whose shoes he wasn't even worthy to untie. And he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Paul went on to say, and I'm telling you, he came. He's here. It's the same thing that Aquila and Priscilla told Apollos just a few months earlier. He's here. I mean, the, the message you've heard is right. He's here. There is a way. Yes, you should be better. Yes, you should live right but let me tell you somebody who will come on the inside of you and not just on the outside make you right but on the inside make you right let me tell you about a loving caring Jesus that wants to change your life from the inside out not the outside in he's here Paul said he came it's Jesus of Nazareth I'm certain Paul said do you believe and they said, we do. <laughs> There's my title. <laughs> we do. Do you believe? <laughs> do you believe? It's, listen, this is necessary. Do you believe? In fact, it's the only thing that's necessary. Do you believe? They said, we do. And when Paul saw and heard that they had accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, he knew they were saved, and so he baptized them in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after they were baptized, he laid his hands on them, and the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and prophesied, just like it happened in the upper room in Jerusalem, just like it happened in Samaria in, in Acts chapter 8, just like it happened in Caesarea in Acts chapter 10, and just like happened in my house in Sims, Texas in 1980. Filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues and prophesy, began to rightly divide the Word of God more accurately, understanding that the Word of God was all about Jesus Christ, and He has come, and He will save the soul of sinners and change you from the inside out, and He will give you the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have you received the Holy Holy Spirit since you believed. That was Paul's admonition. It changed the life of Apollos. It was something overwhelming and irrefutable that happened to these 12 boys that day. Something happened to me and happened to many of you and it can happen to you today. In Acts, the first chapter in verse 8, the Bible says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The miracle gift of God to be a witness to him to the end of the earth. That's what you get when you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive a miracle gift from God. The power to be, the ability, the power to be a witness for Jesus to the ends of the earth. Wow. It's not enough, people, just to change your life and be better. It's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to be good. You must be born again. And then there awaits for you an opportunity to be buried with Christ 
in the waters of baptism. These things are important and I believe essential for the overcomer's life. Perhaps in your life you have never made a decision to actually personally ask Jesus to save your soul. Maybe you've been trying to be good, trying to be better. Maybe there's circumstance and situation in your life that you've been trying to get victory over, but you've never invited Jesus into that place, into that room, into that situation of your life. You can invite him in today. Let me tell you, he's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Perhaps you have asked Jesus to save your soul, but you have yet failed to be empowered to be that witness you want to be, you need to be. Maybe there are some sins hanging on in your life. Maybe yet you are embarrassed, timid, afraid, unable to rightly divide the word of truth. Maybe you're unable as these, uh, you know, as as Apollos, unable to change lives. He was able to, to get people to do better, but then he all of a sudden was able to really help people because Jesus had come into his heart and life. Let me encourage you today to consider, have you been born again? Have you been buried with Christ in water baptism? Very important. Jesus did not get baptized so he could become the Son of God. He got baptized because he was the Son of God. And a voice from heaven spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's a confirmation of identification at the watery grave called water baptism. A place where we bury our old man and we are raised to walk in the newness of life. There's a cleansing of a conscience toward God and the Bible tells us that we are buried with him and we are raised with him. It's a place that closes the mouths of the enemies, the enemies of our past. It drowns Pharaoh's army and they can chase us and pursue us no longer. Those are important moments salvation water baptism and then he laid his hands on them and they received the holy spirit it's like what happened in samaria in acts chapter 8 whenever Philip had gone down to Samaria. He preached Christ unto them, and they all with one accord gave heed to the things which Philip spoke, and they received, they believed, and they received Jesus Christ, and the whole city was born again. And when Peter and John, who were in Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received Jesus Christ, they sent Peter, the church sent Peter and John up to Samaria, about 40 miles north of Jerusalem, and there the Bible says when they got there they saw that the people needed to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as well as yet they had not received the Holy Spirit only they had believed in Jesus Christ and been water baptized in his name and then in Acts 8 Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and it was evidenced abroad let me encourage you have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? There is a power, a miracle gift of God awaiting the born-again believer. 
The speaking in tongues is an issue that the enemy has tried to use to cloud and to confuse being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't accept that confusion. Just simply go back and read the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. As the Apostle Paul said in verse 18, I speak in tongues more than you all. As the Apostle Paul encourages us also to make sure that we prophesy. He said, when I speak in tongues, my understanding is unfruitful. Howbeit I'm speaking mysteries to God. He said, it strengthens me, it builds me up. Speaking in tongues to you does nothing for you. But speaking in tongues, for, when, when I speak in tongues, it does nothing for the hearer. But it does everything for the person in edifying and strengthening speaking mysteries praying the will of god it's a power it's a power to be a witness that's what we receive john the baptist message is still as powerful today as it was two thousand years ago his message get ready and get right and go tell everybody that jesus is coming jesus is coming let me leave you today um, by asking you a question um, you know how you're living. I don't. But you're here in church today. You're watching online today. You know, something has prodded you to do that. Let me ask you, why do, you know, ask yourself, why do I live like I live? Why, you know, why do I live like I live? Let me, you know, why do I live like I live? Why do I harness myself? Why do I push myself? Why do I, do, do I motivate myself? Why do I inspire myself? Why do I get up every morning and read the Word of God? First thing, why do I pray? Why do I worship? Why do I attend church? Why do I live like I do? Is it out of fear? Is it out of fear of hell? Or is it out of love for Jesus Christ? What is it? Why do you live like you do? How in the world... Uh, you know, did you get that way? How in the world? Now, I know for some of you, you're thinking, you know, I don't know why in the world I live like I live, you know. And uh, I'm not sure how I got, it, got this way. I'm not even sure how I got here. Okay. Well, ask yourself that question anyway. Why do I live like I live? Why do you live like you live? And you may need to clean that up, by the way. But... Even if you are good, do you know Jesus? You know, you're not doing okay without him. Now, we had rather you do good than bad. It helps the rest of us. But, you know, um, I'm going to ask you to open your heart. And this morning, I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you to ask God to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to pray a dangerous prayer. I'm going to ask you, you know, those of you who have believed in Jesus Christ, been born again, I'm going to ask you to ask God to fill you with the power to be a witness, fill you with the power so that, you know, uh, your excuses just don't, don't find root anymore. You know, uh, those opportunities to witness that you've been passing by for all kinds of reasons, all of a sudden the reasons go out of the way, and, and, and you're filled with a power, with a zeal to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Just simply ask him. This miracle gift will manifest in you with a power to be a witness. And you will be able to rightly divide the word of truth more accurately and help others. Even when you didn't know what you were talking about, the Holy Spirit will talk through you. That will work. And also, let me encourage you. If you have not been water baptized... Since you have believed in Jesus Christ, 
since you understand your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not been water baptized, don't, don't you know, hesitate, okay? Consider if you might need to be water baptized or water baptized again. Okay. Well, let's pray together right now and let's ask Jesus, you know, to confirm our trust, our belief in him. Also, let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with the power to be a witness, okay? You know, don't make it about tongues. Don't make it about prophecy. Make it about the power to be a witness. And then, let's also consider, have I buried my life and my sins with Christ in that watery grave of a conscious consent knowing by faith that I am buried with him and raised to walk in the newness of life. You may want to consider and ask God to help you make a decision if you are a candidate for water baptism. Let's pray. Father, today, Lord, confirm in our hearts, Lord, our trust in you. As we invite you, Lord, into our lives, we want to live a life pleasing to you, sir. Not just because we're afraid of hell, Lord. Not just as fire insurance, God. But, Lord, we want to live a life pleasing to you, Lord, because we love you. Because you're living on the inside of us. And, sir, Lord, show us, Lord, God, should we approach the waters of baptism afresh by faith and bury those old voices, that old man, and be raised to walk, Lord, in the newness of life. God, we just want to be pleasing to you, sir. And God, we also ask you right now, Lord, fill us, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us, God, with the power to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Lord, if these men, Apollos, Lord, and these other 12 could witness for you without even knowing you, how much more, Lord, should we be filled with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Make us a witness for you, sir. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.